Join our podcast conversations as we share ideas, insights, and information that will educate, inspire, and inform. We will blend our knowledge of online safety and emotional awareness to help you have a better understanding of your kids' online world and their emotional responses and well-being. Here we are with another podcast. We are. And this is exciting. This is really exciting. And not that all of our podcasts aren't extremely exciting. <laughs> but today we have a special guest, Emily. And I'll get into how Emily and I met. So thank you so much, Emily, for having, for being here or for not being here. <laughs> oh, she probably hit the button. Oops. Will she come back? If she uh, clicks on the link again, she will. And there she is. So we're okay, going perfect. to. She's back. This is <laughs> Wi-Fi great. just kicked me off. We're starting off great. <laughs> I love it. So Emily, um, you're, you're a magician. You just. You did <laughs> That's what I like about you. So we'll get into how how we met and mm -hmm. your your uh, disappearing act. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Emily is has a story, and so today, and and I love people's stories. We all have a story, and it takes courage to share your journey. And I do think that through sharing, we find connections, and you realize you're not alone. You breathe breathe hope for people. And today, overcoming bullying, a teenager story. And Emily, you're the teenager, 18 years old. <laughs> Here you are today. And a quick side note of how we met. I was in my mom's favorite clothing store. <laughs> and Emily was our sales person who was absolutely authentic and amazingly open. We just started into this amazing conversation about how actually you had saw me years and years and years ago at <laughs> your school. Paul, you know that moment where you feel like really old, like you're happy, like, oh, I was so glad you remember me when you were three and now you're 18. <laughs> I get that as a soccer, former soccer coach when my soccer players and say, hey, coach Paul, and I'll look at them and they were 11, 12. Now they're 20. And mm -hmm. you know the transformation and you're looking thinking, Yes, I am Coach Paul, but who are you? Because okay, you grew up. Right? You're unrecognizable. Yeah. But we stay the same. But yes, I've, I've been there, done that. So that's, uh, that, that's how we got chatting. And, and Emily said, I loved your message at that, that time. It really connected with me and, and resonated with me throughout my years. And let me tell you kind of some of the things that I faced, which is what I want to and what our listeners want to hear today Emily is kind of like your story of your your encounters with bullying and for our listeners who are mainly parents and guardians mm -hmm. and educators this is great to have firsthand knowledge not just on what you had to go through but ultimately how you overcame it to become this confident well-spoken young lady that you are right now thank you yeah, so I came from a really small country school, which was basically five girls versus 18 guys in one class. And for me, I didn't really have many friends because we were always like divided in our classes and split classes. So I remember in grade three, it was the first time we ever had like one grade. And that was when I kind of started meeting everyone and like trying to make friends. 
but it's kind of hard because when you're a kid, like when you're like five going into public school, if you haven't had preschool, like I didn't, so I didn't have that kind of pre kind of recusate. When you go to school, you have to meet your friends and you have to like start fresh. And when you're starting fresh, you get like all your like little clicks and your little groups. And with me, from kindergarten to grade one, I was the only girl in my class that was that grade. So when I went to grade three, it was the first kind of year I was meeting everyone. And I didn't have that kind of former friend group. So it was like me starting fresh. So I go in and everything was fine for the first few months. And then we got a new teacher. And that was when things kind of started getting weird because no one really liked me for some reason. And I don't know why. And that was kind of when I had my first experiences with bullying. So with the five girls, all of them were prior friends and it was just me. And it kind of felt like all of them were targeting me. And no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't like fit in. Mm -hmm. And so I brought it to my mom's attention. I was like, mom, I don't really know what's going on. No one's liking me and they're being really mean. And like that kind of like scenario where you think they pick me last for gym. I was always the last person for gym. Like it hit home when people say that now. Mm -hmm. So when I brought it to my mom, because she's an EA, she works in the school system. She brought it to my principal. And at that time, the principal was so go lucky. She's like, yeah, let's go fix this. Let's, we don't want bullying. That's not okay. We want everyone to feel included and everyone to have like a great experience at school, which is what everyone should have. Mm -hmm. So for the first little bit, my principal, she did genuinely try but after time, it kind of just seemed like it didn't matter and that it was never really going to get better. And when you're nine years old, like you're just starting to figure out life and like get a grasp on it. And when even the adults have no hope for kind of fixing your situation, you kind of just feel alone. Mm. So throughout the rest of grade three, I was just kind of by myself and I was fine with it. Like I had books. Books were great. <laughs> yeah, your own world. Yeah, like yeah, drawing really skills in. That was where mm. I was at. I would just mm. be outside at lunch. And so I kind of just kept saying to myself, you know what? We're going to get into grade four and we're going to keep going. We're going to start fresh. Because with my public school, we had three sections. So it was like, oh God, I can't remember the first one. So it was like public, intermediate, and then like the older kids. Mm -hmm. Junior than the older kids. So when you go to grade four, you're in a new like field, I guess. Mm -hmm. So after that year, I went into grade four. And again, we had split classes and it was fine for the most part because I had one friend. We were absolutely the closest we could be and everything was kind of fine. There were some boys who were rude here and there. But I remember, and this was like one of the first real instances that I knew I was kind of being like full on bullied. So my teacher had this thing set up that she would pick three helpers each day. So one day I was one of the helpers and you'd go up and you would help her mark like word sheets. Mm -hmm. So each week we had remember 10 words and we'll do a little quiz and you'll write them out. So when we wrote them out, you had to go through and check if everyone spelled them right. So I was going through and I was checking, making sure everyone spelled it right. Like everyone else was. And it comes to my page because I got handed back to me and my page had white out everywhere on it. And I was a little confused because it wasn't my teacher who marked my page. So little 10-year-old me decided to erase the whiteout and it had messages like, you're dumb, you're not smart, and it really hurt. Mm -hmm. So I brought it to my teacher's attention and we brought it to my new principal because at that time we had a different principal. And again, 
she started kind of helping me. I would go out of class sometimes. I'd talk to her. There was other people I'd talk to, and we tried to figure this out. And again, it was fine for a bit. And then it wasn't. And then grade six and seven were kind of the same. It was just, you feel so hopeless and like you're never really going to get out of that because you don't have any friends. There's no reason to go to school. You hate it there. But once I got to grade eight, I had this idea in my head. I'm going to get to high school and I'm going to put like my public school behind me and I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to start absolutely fresh. I know what I want. Mm-hmm. I want to start new. I want to be a better me. I want to be kind to absolutely every person I meet. And I want to be the best me I possibly can. So I go through the rest of public school and again to high school. And hi- oh my God, high school is horrifying. I will say when you are a little parent <laughs> with no preparation, you go and you're like, oh, wow, there's people everywhere. Mm-hmm. But terrifying. Oh God, it was never. <laughs> it was like, I can know, remember that moment. Oh, yeah. So I go in and I met this one girl and then she met somebody else and then I met somebody else and we just formed this lunch group. And from that moment on, I knew that everything was kind of going to be okay because I just kind of kept pushing. Mm-hmm. Like my grandma has always said to me, there is always going to be a light at the end of the tunnel and you two will get through this. So mm. anytime you're in like kind of a rough situation, you just think to yourself, yeah, it sucks right now. But what's going to happen in the future? Keep looking towards that future. Like, it's going to get better. As much as, as cliche as it is, and as often as people say, it is true. Like, you kind of just have to have that little bit of determination to Mm -hmm. be curious. Be curious of what's going to happen the next day. Be curious of the opportunities. Like this opportunity here, actually. Oh, my gosh. And I, you know what I love (laughs) that you just said? And, you know, this is an opportunity for us to to hear (laughs) from you. So, thank you. Is... You had a mindset of this challenge is a chapter of my life, not yeah. my whole story, which mm-hmm. I believe is a resilient mindset. And you didn't even know it at the time, but if we look back, we pick it apart. When you believe a challenge is a chapter of your life, not your whole story, you you give your brain a focus mm-hmm. that creates hope. And every single person needs hope to keep going. If you switch it around to this challenge is not a chapter, it is my whole story. Now your brain feels is focused on hopelessness. Yeah. And then all emotions that are, (laughs) you know, like flood and you're like, you're in a a deep, dark place Mm -hmm. And, and it's a switch of a mindset. And that's exactly what you're sharing is actually what got you through that mm-hmm. built your resilience. It wasn't because the circumstance changed instantly because <laughs> you, you keep saying over and over again, there was, okay, this is a fresh start. Okay, yep. shoot, this isn't it. Okay, this is the fresh yep. start. Okay, shoot, that's not it either. And would you say that it molded who you are today? Oh, definitely. Like, if I didn't have all the experiences I did in public school, I would definitely not be the person I am today. Like, I have learned through being bullied and through everything else I went through public school, at the end of the day, you are one of the only people who matters to yourself. Your opinion of yourself, Mm -hmm. your mindset, anything, like it comes back to you. And to be kind to people, like with my job now and actually how I did meet you, 
one of the things that I find so rewarding about that job is just being kind to people, getting to know their story. Like, I remember one day this lady came in and she kind of had this feeling of like sadness. And I said, hey, how are you doing? Is everything going okay? Like, do you need any help today? She's like, you know what? No, today just isn't today. It's not feeling great. And so we kind of walked around the store and I was helping her and she was just talking about her day. And I said, like after everything that we did and we talked, I said, you know what? I hope you have a fantastic day after everything that you've gone through. Just know that tomorrow is a fresh new start and you're going to do amazing. And she stopped me and she said, you're one of the first people who's actually taking the time to talk to me today. And it means so much that you put in that effort to say such kind words. And I hope you have an amazing day too. Like I've met so many people through my job and it's so rewarding because everyone has a different story and everyone has a different like kind of outlook on life. And it's interesting to hear everything because then you kind of mold your own ideas, like what Uh, I did with school. uh (laughs) Oh my goodness. I have, I like, well, that was moving in, in, and authentic and real. And I think more people connecting and, mm-hmm. and taking what I, what some people find is their imperfection or their imperfection mm-hmm. perfection of their day. I say imperfection builds connection. Exactly. If you can be, if you can tap into that, we, we actually more people connect to that because they're like, Oh my gosh, you're not the, I'm not the only one or mm-hmm. you find support and resilience. We need support. Mm-hmm. And what a gift you give to people just by giving them s- space to to share and you're actually taking time to listen. And before we move on to what I want to actually bring in Paul on <laughs> is, you know how you said in your story, you said, my intention is I'm going to be so kind. I'm going to be kind to everyone. You said that going to grade nine. Yep. And I'm a big believer in the power of intention because your brain works really well with an end result in mind. And so when you intend something, you say, okay, I'm going to be kind. You actually lived into that. My Wi-Fi is so spotty for no reason. No, well, you know what? You came back at the perfect time because I just led into what you were going to answer, which is I'm just going to say you <laughs> intended to be so kind and you're still living into that intention because you showed mm-hmm. kindness to that lady where some of us get in our own emotions in our own day are like, yeah. you're having a bad day? You want to hear about my day? Oh, you want a bad day? <laughs> like, you know, I had to seven up that bad day with it instead of just like, here's some space to connect. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. No problem. And Paul, what I wanted to to know is when you hear Emily's story, you know what you don't hear? Her talking about cyberbullying. <laughs> now, Emily, if we were to add cyberbullying onto that, like in grade three, four, five, six, if then you were to go home, mm. how would that change? And what could and, and then we're gonna go into like just different supports that we could give for parents that are listening. Mm-hmm. I would honestly say at my time, we didn't really have technology. Mm -hmm. So to put in the scenario that we did, I really don't want to imagine what it's like because I've never personally dealt with cyberbullying. I do know quite a lot about it from other friends and people I know. Mm -hmm. And I think the main difference between in-person bullying versus cyberbullying, people have a completely different mindset. Like, 
when you have a person approach you saying you suck, blah, 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 like it's coming directly from them. But when you have a person online saying that stuff, they will say so much worse things because there's no consequences. Because when technology was first starting to become a thing, at least for me, it was like a free playground. You could do whatever you wanted, say whatever you wanted, and there was nothing at the end of the day that could be done about it because it never come back to you. So if I in grade three probably dealt with cyberbullying, I think a lot of things would be way worse because the teachers wouldn't know really how to help and same with parents mm-hmm. because, and I think another thing, when you're a kid being cyberbullied, half the time you don't really want to confront it. You'll just think it'll go away because it is online. It is not in person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I know who have personally dealt with it, they put too much kind of thought into it. Mm. Like the nice thing about computers and whatnot, you can shut them off at the end of the day. Like they're not, you don't have to give them as much kind of time and effort as many people do. Oh, I love that you just said that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, don't you just in, love that? She's right. But <laughs> like, so in a how way. humanity works right now is that I know. they don't have that ability. It's a discipline. Well, exactly. Right? They, they want to continue. Did somebody else say something? Did somebody respond mm-hmm. to that? Did somebody like that comment that was yeah. made towards me? There's this obsession with what's next, what's next, what's coming. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to one thing Emily said at the beginning, when she said grade <laughs> nine is going to be a brand new start. Yep. Emily, I'm a father of two girls, and oh. every kid in elementary school goes through their situations. And I remember telling both my girls this exact same message, and they're three years apart. Your two, three, four besties <clears throat> will be found in grade nine or 10 in high school. Oh, yeah. I was bang on correct. And then you just said it, which gave me chills because I thought this is pretty cool. Yeah. In elementary school, you have acquaintances and you have friends yeah. at the time. Then you all grow and you, so yeah, you do find, and you know, it's not about a thousand friends. Mm-hmm. It's about a core group of friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you found that, my, my daughters found that. Online, it's about how many likes and how many followers. And, and we yeah. have to come back to the human aspect. And going back to bullying in person, as you experienced, to bullying online and i experienced bullying once in elementary school it was in grade five mm-hmm. it happened at the school we both dealt with it and then it ended yeah online it continues it festers yeah. there's a snapshot of it there's when you do a google search there's a reminder of it 10 years down mm-hmm. the road so bullying is vastly different how it's dealt with in many aspects is the same mm-hmm. but now when it's happening online something that could have occurred let's say you brought up the whiteout piece and how you removed it and you found comments well let's say that was online mm-hmm. you could be reminded of that in five years from now in four years from now yeah. three months from now which will bring you back to oh yeah that happened to me in grade five mm-hmm. that impacts a lot of people so i think bullying will never be eradicated can we tremendously oh, no. reduce it? Let's go back to what Emily said. We just need to start being kinder to each other. Mm-hmm. But we need to spread positivity. And if we are going to be threatened or bullied, we're going to report it. Exactly. You have to report, not be afraid. And you did mm-hmm. the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I wish, Emily, you had more support at the time. 
yeah. from those individuals that you approach. Because yes, initially, I've seen this before. There's a lot of, yeah, you know what, we're going to take care of that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it seems to dwindle sometimes. Yep. If there's immediate consequence, in many cases, it's resolved and we're moving on. And we need more of the resolution. But we need kids to know that if they speak out, that they will be supported mm-hmm. and that there will be consequence of action. So we'll never eradicate it, but mm-hmm. we can tremendously reduce it if we have individuals like Emily that have the courage to speak to their mm-hmm. teachers and their principals and their parents. And then those adults who our children are entrusting with when it comes to this message are now going to do something about it. And that, I think, is how we combat that side of it. Because if it was just in the schoolyard, in the classroom, like Emmy dealt with, you know, I don't, all bullying is horrible. Oh, of course. But that old school at least was resolved and we moved on versus online. It sometimes literally is everlasting. And now, and people think bullying is a, is a school thing. It's a workplace thing as well. Oh, big time. You know, I mean, I've talked to corporations about bullying in the workplace. And it's not yeah. one-on-one walking by someone's office or a cubicle or after hours at a, at a corporate function. It's actually online. And yeah. that has legal consequences in many cases. So it doesn't just end at school. But if we take Emily's position, which is be kind, but do what she did, which was speak out, we'll be a lot further ahead. Mm-hmm. And it's not the technology. It's how the technology is being used right now, which mm-hmm. took an old school concept of being mean to another person and now bring it online. So it, there are so many avenues we can take to reduce bullying. Uh, it starts off with someone like an Emily. Um, and you know, I'm going to sidetrack one more time. You know what's great about having Emily on here? She's taking her story to hopefully inspire a parent who will tell their child, hey, make sure you come to me for anything. Mm-hmm. I've had parents at my presentation say, do you mind the next time you come to town? Could I have my child who experienced something speak? Every time I hear that, absolutely. Yeah. Because someone's real life experience in front of an audience, I've had moms brought to tears. I'll never forget. It was in Calgary, Alberta, where a mother who was a teacher at my presentation said, my daughter experienced exactly what we just spoke about. She got over it. Can she come and speak? She spoke for less than five minutes during the segment of bullying my presentation and literally half of them weren't were in tears because she experienced it she told them how she overcame it empowered them they so they felt sad and then they brought we need stories like Emily. Mm-hmm. it's so important because people connect with people and that's why this is awesome that you and sarah connected because mm-hmm. this will help hopefully connect with a parent who'll say you know what i heard a story they overcame it i need to talk to my child about the importance of connection mm-hmm. do you agree sarah Absolutely. And I love and really what you you shared earlier, two things that stand out for me, which is mindset. So kudos to you, Emily, about being on your own team. Mm -hmm. That confidence is with inside you and instilling that message uh, as a parent for my, myself, but also mm-hmm. for my son is so important because he's come home and said, this person said this about me, or they made fun of my body or they, and I have stories too of growing up. And, and at the end of the day, that's no opinion and it doesn't mean much, you know, but truly I wrote that song because that, <laughs> that is people's opinion. They're going to have opinions and some are going to be positive and some are going to be 
the yeah. disrespectful, but at the end of the day, you have the final say in what you believe about yourself. Mm-hmm. And that takes support. That takes courage to believe in yourself even when it feels like others don't. Mm-hmm. The other thing that really stands out for me that you shared is um, when we talked about cyberbullying, you said, I haven't experienced that, but you said something super wise. We don't need to give computers so much power and time. Yes. Like, it's, for me, I didn't have a phone until grade 10. So I never delve into that kind of stuff. Do you know, Emily, I've had people that are in grade eight, which you would see now as being like, yeah, they've got to have social media in grade eight. And it's saying I'm not allowed and being okay with it. Not that they didn't probably, you know, kick and scream at the time, but that one of them, I remember actually pulling me aside and being like, there might be good things online, but I hear so many negative things. And she's like, I don't even want to deal with that. And I was Mm -hmm. like, good, good, good. And so I want to ask you as being a teenager, when your mom like set up a boundary for you, mm-hmm. this is good for us parents, a boundary for you that you probably didn't like. So she could have said like no mm-hmm. phone to you in grade 10 mm-hmm. and maybe you were fine with it, but maybe if you weren't, when you look back now, the boundaries that your mom gave you that you might not have liked at the time, do you see them as being beneficial when you look back? Oh yeah. Yes. Like for me, I didn't get social media till I want to say I was in grade six and I didn't really use it that much. I didn't really start using until grade 10, but for my mom putting in those boundaries, it was so nice because I had those social development periods. Like I figured out how to talk to people and I find with having like too much of an easy access to like social media, a lot of people don't know how to like communicate in person anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, with putting in those boundaries, it has taught me a lot because I know kind of the dangers and safeties of being online because my mom took the time to kind of teach me that and be like, okay, don't give all your information online, be safe. And like, mm-hmm. don't do things that you wouldn't do in person. Like don't oh. walk up to a stranger, don't text a stranger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Emily, did your mom put the... Uh... Uh, restriction that no phone until grade 10? No, it wasn't really a restriction. It was just, I never liked phones. So you chose not to want to get one. Yeah. Like she, I had a phone. I just didn't use it. Like, wow. Every parent listening right now is like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, but it gets worse. I had a flip phone up until I got my job because I didn't like You are speaking Paul's language right now. (laughs) So, Emily, the one thing I talk about with parents, grade four, five, six, mm-hmm. why do you give them a smartphone? If you exactly. need a communication tool, and mm-hmm. I will not, okay, smartphones and medical emergencies, all I will subscribe to that. And mm-hmm. that's a fraction of a percent. Every other kid with a smartphone, grade four, five, six, has been peer pressured. They feel yeah. um, they, they can't be part of a group if they don't have one. And I say, look, mm-hmm. for the purposes of communication, in 2022, I'm not going to argue with you, you know, 911, mom, I'm stuck at whatever. Yeah. Buy them a flip phone. They're available on Amazon. They dial 911. They make phone calls. They text. It's But it's painstaking. You know that, Emily, right? To dial an LOL <laughs> takes about 30 seconds. Remember that? It's so, and, it's so hard. And I even tell them, I said, here's the best part. No one's going to want to steal it from you. So how cool exactly. is that? Right. right. And hey, I also tell them, I said, you know, students, <laughs> I travel around. And it's not bragging. This is me as a cyber guy. 
I travel mm-hmm. around with four smartphones and one flip phone. And yep. they'll look at the say, flip phone and say, it's the most secure device that I have. So yep. when I'm doing something of a sensitive nature, I'm not bringing my smartphones with me. I'm not traveling to, you know, the United States with my smartphone. Mm-hmm. I'm traveling with my flip phone. So I try and make it cool, but I, it's practical. It's not yep. that you need it. It's, are we talking about necessity? <laughs> Or what everybody else has. And I say, you want something practical. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. people will laugh off smartphones, uh, flip phones. It's actually practical because it does what you need it to do. And it doesn't distract. And the fact that you brought that up, (laughs) when Sarah said, you're speaking my language, I'm like, yes. He's tickled pink. (laughs) He's like, yes. Well, and you know, it's so true. And I I know where we get close to the end, Emily. Like, we're we're going to say something. Well, I just wanted to touch on to Paul's thing. Like, okay. I find with flip phone. See how she disappears? Like, she is a magician. magician. She's a magician. <sighs> She's like, you know what? I'm done talking about <laughs> flip phones. I actually don't want to talk about flip phones anymore. I'm out. Um, but I, oh, here she is. She's back <laughs> now. Third we time's thought, a charm. Yeah, yeah. We, so go that. on from when flip phones. Go. Okay. So quickly. Flip phones, like, you have calling and texting. Like, if you have one of the old Blackberries, you can do, like, the actual button texting, not the, like, three presses to get one letter. But I find when I was using a flip phone compared to a smartphone in public, I didn't feel like I had to be on my phone that much. Like, I didn't have the draw to check social media. I didn't have the draw to text my – or check my messages. Because you're embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) It was more so, like, an essential I didn't need to text. I didn't need to call. And if I did, I had it when I needed it. It was kind of, I felt more present and in that moment when using a flip phone as compared to a smartphone. Oh, I love that. You've sold me on, you should be a sales rep for flip phones. More (laughs) present and mindful and in the moment. Yes, Mm -hmm. sign me up. Okay, that's what I do. That's what I do yoga and meditation for. But if it just takes a flip phone. (laughs) Uh, um, And you know, Emily, what I would love to when we come full circle with and end this podcast is what would you tell a parent of a a parent of someone who is struggling with being bullied or disrespected at school what did you find was the most helpful thing your parents did for you I think the most helpful thing any adult whether it be my parents my grandparents or like aunts and uncles ever did was kind of take the time to listen to me and let me talk about how I was feeling and then working through my emotions together so it didn't feel like it was all on my kind of shoulders so I would say talking would be the best thing to do for both I can't believe I've never met Emily because (laughs) Emily one of the messages I tell parents is have open, transparent relationships with your children. Mm-hmm. It is the key to overcoming all the issues they're dealing with online because kids that are afraid to speak to their parents, kids that are secretive, mm-hmm. don't get the right resolutions. But kids that can go to their parents without judgment, fear, yeah. or okay. embarrassment, and parents engaging their kids, we get resolutions. So, mm-hmm. you know, from the flip phone to this, it's amazing. And I'm thankful to have met you. This is great. And I think that's <laughs> uh, that's an amazing way to end this off because mm-hmm. parents need to know that that communication and that listening is so vitally important because if they know, if they, know they can't come to you, mm-hmm. they're going somewhere else. Yeah. Those are never good outcomes. So. Mm-hmm. 
the safety. We've got to be our kids' safe place. Yeah. And that's, that's so important. And Emily, you just, you, you, you peaked my, my ears when you said the emotions. Mm -hmm. So I just want to know as we end, what emotions did you find were triggered from disrespect and bullying and how did you find moving through them? I found the emotions I felt the most were anger because I didn't understand why a somebody could say and do the things they were and be why they would want to and then sadness because I felt so alone and like I was the only one going through it because at that time not many people were speaking out about being bullied it was just kind of an underlying thing and with working through them like I've found since then I've learned some coping skills like taking a step back and just breathing like Mm. either you're overwhelmed in life or overwhelmed with other people just literally taking a step back and being like it's gonna be okay I'm gonna get past this so breathing in mindset Mm. yeah (laughs) yeah and reading reading it strengthens the brain (laughs) yes Oh my goodness, you are so wise. You really are. And it's a gift to, I agree with Paul, to have you. And so fortunate for you to share your story and your strategies. Because Mm -hmm. it's not just stories you shared. You shared strategies on how to move through and mindsets and emotional awareness. You just talked about self-regulation. I mean, we've touched on it all. Paul, (laughs) flip phones. Like, I mean, like we've... The full thing. We reached every end. We can't ask for more. (laughs) <laughs> no emily i think we have to have a part two at some point don't we paul i think so there's so much more there's so much we can talk about mm-hmm. um oh. when you when you take what emily has shared and sometimes dissected uh, that could add more value and meaning but i think from the surface if parents listen to her voice in terms of her messaging mm-hmm. um they can take a lot away from it because we share this information as quote-unquote professionals and what we do but hearing the voice, especially of someone who's experienced it and giving strategy, it's incredibly powerful. And mm-hmm. I hope parents take this um, to heart and I hope they sit down when they hear this and have a conversation with their child, wherever it is. It could be driving in the car. Let them could, hear this. Let them hear this, yeah. but also yeah. have that one-on-one with your child. Mm-hmm. Sit at the dinner table without your technology, as we've always talked about, and talk to your child and let them know you will always be there for them. And if they have to listen to this podcast and hear Emily's voice, I think they should do it as well. They should do that. So yeah. Emily, let's have you end because we always end with like, this is what we know, but <laughs> how about we end with, this is what you know, and pretend there's a kid listening right now. So hopefully there okay. is. What would you say to that kid? Almost like you're talking to the grade three, you what's one piece of advice. One piece of advice I would definitely have to say to whether it be my younger self or anyone out there is Just look towards the future. Right now, it absolutely sucks, and I will not dispute that. But by taking one small step a day and looking at just even a butterfly, saying that thing is beautiful and that brightened my day, one small thing a day adds up over time. And then you come to a place where, for me, it's like 10 years later, and I'm sitting back and I'm like, wow, I have come so far in my life, and I've made small steps that amounted to big steps and I'm proud of myself. It just takes one small thing a day and you're doing great. 
<laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Emily. I appreciate you. We appreciate you. Thank you, Emily. Thank this you has been guys. awesome. This has been one of the Sarah of all the podcasts, and we've always loved our <laughs> podcast. I think this is probably the best. I do. I, do. I just want to say thank you guys so much for the opportunity. Like for you to reach out to like someone who's not a professional and actually get somebody else's story. It's nice spreading both your guys' messages and mine and just helping anyone and everyone to find someone who they see themselves in. Mm. Are you sure you're not like 58 in an 18 year old body? Like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and you have super cool hair. So if you're listening you. to this podcast, you got to also look at how cool Emily's hair is. So you might want to go on YouTube, see that. But truly. Thank you so much. And thank everybody, you. thank you so much for listening and take care. Until next time. This is what we know. This is what we know. And what Emily knows. And what Emily knows. <laughs>